Thanks for joining the Church at Nolensville Sermon Podcast. We exist to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. Anytime, anywhere, with anybody. Welcome to the Church at Nolensville. So glad that you've gathered with us today. Go ahead and grab a Bible and turn to the book of Luke. We're going to be there in just a moment. I, I want you to know, and I'm sure you're aware of this, but but you're a part of a story and your story has probably affected you and impacted you in remarkable ways. And, and no matter how complex your story is, your, your life really is more than a, a sum total of your circumstances. In fact, you're, you're connected to a remarkably bigger story than you probably think. Actually, your story your story is connected to a divine story. And knowing that, I want us to answer a question as we begin our time together. I want to answer a question that I know is troubling for many, but the question that I want to ask you now is this. Why are you here? Why are you here? And I, and I don't mean why are you here is like, why are you sitting watching this today? Because I really I know we're, we're all over the map. I mean, some of you may, I mean, this may be the first time that you have connected with church in, in 9, 10, 15 years. Others of you, man, you've been coming to church nine months before you were born. I mean, you were born and the, the doctor slapped your bottom and the first words out of your mouth was Jesus. So no matter your story and your background, I just want you to know we're really glad that you're here, but, but we also want you to know that God has set one story into motion. From the beginning of time, God has been telling one story and your life, whether you know it or not, is a part of that story. And on Easter, we are celebrating a significant part of God's story. We are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Jesus was indeed murdered but, but Jesus was indeed raised to life. And, and the resurrection really does help us answer the question that I posed. Why are you here? Because see, the resurrection, man, it is central to the Christian faith. It is a world-changing event. And, and we're going to dig in that, into that today. And I want you to see how it helps answer the question, why are you here? Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that we have life and that you've given us life. Thank you that, that you indeed are alive and we get to celebrate you, the resurrected Lord, today on Easter in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of John chapter 19. John chapter 19. And we're going to be in verse 30. This is one of the last statements Jesus made on the cross. The Bible says this, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. See, Jesus was indeed crucified. And he stayed in a grave for three days. 
but the grave didn't hold him. And in fact, Paul testifies to the resurrection of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians. You don't have to turn there, but, but you might make a note. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 3, Paul says this, For I pass on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. We celebrate today the fact that Jesus is alive. And listen, I know. I know that it feels a little bit sad that we don't get to be together in person. But I believe it would be far more sad if we didn't have any news to share at all today. And the reality is, whether we're gathered in person or whether we're scattered and connected digitally, we have not only news to share, but we have good news to share. Because Easter is a day of celebration. Now, what's interesting is the first Easter didn't start that way. I mean, the disciples, man, they were huddled up, scared in an upper room when the news first hit that Jesus might be alive. And they didn't really know what to make of it. And what's interesting is still 2000 years later, people still don't exactly know what to make of the story of Jesus Christ. And I get questions all the time. Wait, wait, do you really want me to believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is historical fact and not just imagery in the Bible? Do you really want me to believe that? Yeah, I mean, I stake my life on it. The church is built on the fact that Jesus is resurrected. And you need to know biblically, historically, I mean, the resurrection is honestly irrefutable. This isn't just a blind leap of faith. Yes, the the Old Testament said it was going to happen. Jesus said it was going to happen. Paul said that it did happen, but, but not only that, there are many other things that, 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 that give evidence to our faith. Then think about this. Think about the change in the disciples. I mean, the disciples, as I said, were huddled up in an upper room, scared to death that what happened to Jesus was going to happen to them. But then all of a sudden they become these fearless men. And some people, they say, no, no, the disciples lied and, and, and made up the resurrection. Now, listen, if they lied, then they were willing to die for a lie. How, how many of you have told a lie? How many of you, you told a lie, told a lie? Bo, Bo, you told a lie? Yeah, now listen, when, when we lie, we normally lie to, to benefit ourselves. What benefit did the disciples have by lying that Jesus was resurrected? Almost every disciple was martyred for their faith. Peter was crucified upside down. If it was a lie, when they're impaling him to a cross, don't you think he might go, April fools, man, I was just kidding. Listen, Why were the disciples so willing to go to such brutal deaths if Jesus wasn't alive? Not only that, did you know that that Jesus' family worshipped him as God? I mean, mean, how do you explain the fact that Jesus' family worshipped him as God? James, Jesus' brother, was taken to the top of the Temple Mount and told to renounce Jesus. And he didn't, and he was thrown to his death. Can you really explain Jesus' family worshipping him as God? How many of you have brothers or sisters or parents? Brothers, sisters, brothers, sisters, brothers, sisters? You have brothers and sisters? Listen, what would it take? What would it take for them to worship you as God? But what would it take for, for your parents or your brothers or sisters to worship you as God? More than that, what would it take for them or for you to worship them as God? Like if you have brothers or sisters that have been away at college and COVID-19 has now brought them home. And when they came home, they walked in the door and they said, good news, I'm God. I mean, you're locking them in their closet and you're taking their stuff. The reality is that Jesus's family were devout Jews And if they were wrong, they were condemning themselves. 
It would have taken something as miraculous as the resurrection for them to believe Jesus was God. And not only do the scriptures testify, not only do we have those accounts, but we also have non-biblical accounts. I mean, people say that there's no immediate record of the resurrection. You know, it was made up, you know, years and years later. No, 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 no. We have first century, second century non-biblical writers, not Bible guys like Josephus and Pliny the Younger and others that said there is historical account of a movement of people who believe that their Messiah was crucified and did indeed rise from the dead. Do you know that some people even have gone so far to try to refute the resurrection as to say that Jesus must have had a twin brother and they did some sort of little stunt double thing on the cross. I mean, first of all, There's no evidence that Jesus had a twin brother. Second of all, I think Mary would have known. (laughs) I mean, we could continue. We could continue for the sake of time. I I won't. But the evidence for the resurrection is, is overwhelming. You can't really, with intellectual integrity, deny the resurrection. And our faith, the Christian faith, hinges on the resurrection. In fact, it was Paul, the author of uh, approximately half of the New Testament, who said this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. He said, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Later in verse 17, he said this, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is worthless and you're still in your sins. See, apart from the resurrection, our faith is empty because God just didn't finish his story. And I'm not belittling the cross. I mean, Jesus saying it is finished on the cross is not only essential, but it's spectacular. And if you're new to Jesus's message on the cross, here's, here is what the cross means. The Bible would say that, that God made the world perfect and beautiful and right. But, but if we pay attention, then we, we really do know that the world didn't stay that way, that something is wrong and something's just not right, that the world is not the way it's supposed to be. And there really is suffering. Poverty, brutality, disease, pandemics, that the world's broken. And brokenness isn't just in, in the world. It's, it's not just the pandemic, but, but at a deeper level. In the quiet moments of our heart, we realize something's wrong. Something's broken. And the Bible would say that sin has broken and corrupted the world. And that it has broken and corrupted us. And because of that, we are now separated from God and separated from his original beautiful creation. It's, it's broken. But the Bible would say that, that God didn't choose to leave his story written that way, that God continued to write the story and that God invaded the world in the person of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus said it is finished, it was that he restored all that was broken. And so what happened on the cross, according to the scriptures is this second Corinthians five twenty one. it says for our sake, that's me, that's you. God made him, that's Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what Martin Luther calls the great exchange. Here, Jesus, I want you to take my sin 
And in return, I want to take your righteousness. And righteousness means right standing before God. You get my sin, I get your righteousness. And when Jesus said it's finished, it's because it was. All of my wrongs against the creator God on the cross are gone, past, present, and future. Now, does that mean I'm perfect? Good night. No, man, I'm a mess. I hear people say all the time, man, you Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. You know what? We really are a horrible group of people sometimes. But how amazing is it? That God so ferociously loves us. It's because it's, it's good news. It's the gospel. Jesus has paid our penalty. And that's only true if there is a resurrection. And Jesus is resurrected and we have good news. It's called the gospel. The gospel means good news. And it's, it's a Greek word, euangelion. And I, I love this background. Justin, you're going to love this background. The background here actually comes from a military context. You see, in ancient times, people lived in cities that were surrounded by walls. And there were watchmen up on the towers on the lookout for foreign armies. And when a foreign army would approach, they, they would send out their armies to defend the city. Now, this is long before social media. This is long before anyone live tweeting it. So you don't, you don't know how the battle is going. The only way for you to know how the battle is going is for a messenger to be sent back with a report. Now, if they lost the battle, that's bad news for the city. The city is going to be ransacked. People are going to be killed. It's a bad day. But if they won, if they won, the army sent back a messenger and the messenger came back with a message, a victory. He came back with a message called a euangelion, which is translated into English, the gospel, good news. The battle has been won. And the messenger would stand up on the wall and he would declare to everyone, I've got good news. We're not going to die. We're going to live because we've seen a victory that the battle has been won. And that's why, that's why the scriptures would say repeatedly that Jesus, that Jesus is the bringer and the author of good news. Why? Why is Jesus the author of good news? It's because there's a battle that's already been won. And so, so imagine with me. Imagine with me for just a moment. I mean, I mean, think about this for just a moment. You're in the city. You're in the city and a foreign army is coming and your army goes out to battle and you don't, you don't know what's happening. And the entire city is going to wait hour after hour, waiting, wondering, anticipation, anxiety. Are we going to live? Are we going to die? Are we going to be taken captive? Are our kids going to be spared? Are we going to, are we going to have a future? Then just imagine that all of a sudden a messenger comes back and he stands up on the wall and gets everyone's attention. I would imagine that you could have heard a pin drop inside that city. What's the news? And then the messenger declares, I bring you a gospel. I bring you good news. We have been victorious. We're going to live. And I'm telling you right now, at that moment, no one in their city sits there with their arms crossed. You don't hear that good news in that moment. Oh, well, what are we going to go eat for lunch now? You don't golf clap. You don't say, well, I like the news, but I don't really love his delivery of the news. No, when you hear that there's a battle that's been won for you, you go nuts, man. You dance, you celebrate tears of joy, good news. 
We, we have pages and pages of messengers that have come to us today with good news. I, and an extension of that today is one more messenger of good news. And maybe, maybe you're asking the question, wait, how does this, how does this help us answer the question, why are you here? Why, why do you exist? Why are you alive? And listen, I know many of you, you really do feel like something's missing. You've changed your job. You've changed your relationship. You've, you've changed cities. You've changed houses. You've changed cars. You've changed everything that you can. But, but still, there's something missing. And you know it. And you've had moments of pleasure and moments of joy, but they, they fade. And you keep looking for something else to fill that space. And listen, hear me, that's not wrong. It's not wrong to be on that journey, to be searching. You were created to long for something so much more than this world has to offer. You were created to be reunited with your maker, with your creator, to embrace the good news. That's why you're here. You have a destiny created for you in eternity. And it's to, to know and to love and to follow your creator, to worship Jesus, to, to live the life that God has for you. And I have a very simple prayer for, for every one of you right now. It's that you would understand that God is still writing his story. God's still writing his story. And God wants, God wants to write your name, your name into his story so that you can be given new life and find your place in the story of God, that you have a new life waiting for you, a divine purpose straight from heaven to you. God hasn't stopped writing his story. Every week, every day across our globe, new people's lives are written into his story. And COVID-19, man, it has given us so many things. But one of the things that, is, that it has given us, it's, it's really time to consider life. To slow down with everything stripped away and to really think. Because listen, the reality is the world is broken. And we are broken. But the reality is, it is finished. And there is a resurrected Savior. And a battle has been won. And we really do see a victory. And all of that's true because there is a resurrection. And I said earlier, you, you can't be intellectually honest, I think, and, and deny the resurrection. So if you, if you can't deny the resurrection, then I think today you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make with the good news of Jesus Christ today. And Jesus, he wants to free you up to live in ways that you can't even imagine or dream of now. And the one thing that I, I long and plead and pray that you would do today is give your life to Jesus. I did it 
22 years ago. Best thing that's ever happened in my life. And I have seen the power of Jesus now change four generations of my lineage. And that same power is available to you today. God wants to write your name into the story. And today we, we want to follow up with you. We want to know that that's you. And today, if you want to respond to Jesus, I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. But I want you to text the word today, like now, today, text the word today to 623-623 to let us know that you want to become a follower of Jesus, that you want God to write your name into his story, that you want to receive the victory that's been won from you by Jesus Christ. And if you want that today, I want you to pray something simple like this right now. Say, dear God, I believe that Jesus is the son of God who was crucified, buried, but rose again. And he put sin to death and shame to death. He put my past to death and he was raised to life. And I want to be raised to new life in him. God, would you save me today? Do that right now. And then grab your phone. Don't hesitate. Don't wait and text us today. Text the word today to 623-623. And we're going to follow up with you. We love you. The tomb is empty those of you who are followers of Jesus, let's go live like the battle's been won. Amen? Amen. Love you guys.